Well, this past week, as I was preparing for today, I just started remembering my early life. You know, Sharon and I, uh, I guess, how should I word this? We are some of the, let me put first baby boomers. That sounds a lot better than oldest baby boomers, doesn't it? We're some of the, we were one of the, some of the first born in 1946, right after the uh, war was over. And, uh, uh, our formative years, and we got to reminiscing about this yesterday, were primarily in the fifties and into the sixties. But, uh, 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 let's see, I guess, uh, we were in the first grade just at the time that uh, uh, President Truman had uh, uh, been replaced by President Eisenhower and under God had been added to our Pledge of Allegiance that we said in school every morning, along with having a prayer every morning, it was a different time. And in my early life, our nation was basically Christian, with the Judeo-Christian ethic being the foundation to the laws of our land. And under God, I'd said, had just been added to the Pledge of Allegiance. And even uh, into the 70s, if you ask someone if they were a Christian, their reply would often be kind of a shocked. I'm an American, aren't I? Of course I'm a Christian because our nation was so just inundated and and just uh, permeated with the gospel and with uh, the church that it was a part of our American way of life. I cannot think of one of my classmates from elementary school all the way through high school who didn't go to church. And um, many times when we were sitting and we could were allowed to speak, I'm not saying we didn't speak when we weren't allowed to, but those free times, whenever we were sitting there with our friends around us, many times uh, we'd talk about the differences in our churches. It seemed like nearly every Wednesday this would come up because so many churches had prayer meetings on Wednesday night and uh, kids would start talking about how they couldn't go to so-and-so because they had to go to prayer meeting. And so we would start talking about it. And uh, the, the thing is that uh, a lot of times we talked about the differences in our different denominations uh, things that maybe y'all wouldn't pay any attention to, but I remember us Methodists and a lot of the Baptists, not all of them, but some of them were uh, really, well, they felt sorry for those uh, that weren't allowed to watch movies. And uh, we were thankful that boys and girls could swim together in the public pool because we had friends who were not allowed to be involved in what they call mixed bathing. And so I was really, I really had to get the details on that, how that worked. And so they'd go down to the river. Sometimes the boys would go, sometimes the girls would go, but they couldn't go together. Mixed bathing was uh, prohibited among some of my friends. 
But we respected each other and we just learned from each other and it didn't take away from our common faith. And we all just had this sense that we did have a common faith. It was a time of poodle skirts. Some of you can remember poodle poodle skirts. Some of you have worn poodle skirts. Nowadays, if you just Google poodle skirts, what comes up is uh, they're great for Halloween costumes. (laughs) But uh, poodle skirts, bobby socks, hula hoops, Davy Crockett coonskin caps, cat eye glasses, jello molds. I'm glad that that fad has kind of passed, you know. I mean, whatever you get jello, strawberry jello with uh, green peas and carrots and it, that just, that was a, a time I'm glad that that was just something that went on. Ducktail haircuts. I used to wire my hair in a ducktail. Flat top on top, going back on the sides, little curly cue right here. Uh, telephone booth stuffing and church. It was a different time back then. But at that time, just as it does today, these words were written in the book of Revelation in the 17th chapter, the first through the fifth verses. And there came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cap in her hand or cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, a mystery is something that has not yet been revealed. That's the biblical uh, view of a mystery. And even at that time, back in the 50s, this passage was much more of a mystery because we couldn't understand what uh, we can understand today, and uh, we'll get to that though. At that time, anyone would have told you that Babylon was either Rome, the Roman Empire, Western civilization, New York City, or Paris, or London, or the Catholic Church, and they would all be wrong because no one could ever imagine how far from the Lord our nation could go in such a short time. And today, since the time of the Lord's return is closer, we can see things clearly. 
or more clearly, and the curtain is being pulled back. And uh, so uh, uh, anyway, what I want us to look at today is Babylon. Because, uh, you know, we're looking, this is the second part of a message that I started last week on symbols. And last week, if you'll recall, we looked at the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and how the beasts of the field many times would refer to uh, uh, demons, demonic uh, forces. And many times, uh, not all the time, but many times. And then also the birds of the air could also refer to Satan's minions. Not all the time. There would be times whenever they were, like whenever Jesus talked about faith the size of a, of a mustard seed growing up into a tree and the birds of the air nesting in its branches. That's, that's not quite the same, but there are these, there are times when you can see it's saying this, but this is a parable and it's talking about something else. And like we talked about last week, whenever that happens, you can look around and you look through the Bible and you can find these uh, different things that are, uh, are relating to these things. And the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible that we can find. As we read last week, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a big tree. And no one could interpret the dream except for Daniel. And Daniel could do so because Daniel was, as we said last week, he, we, we talked about how many people think that they are humans having a spiritual experience. But really, we are spirits having a human experience. If you'll recall at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, and the body will return to the dust of the ground and the spirit will return to the Lord who made it. And so we are on loan here on earth for a while, but we return to the God who made us. We are spirits in a, or having a human experience. And this was Daniel. He knew God, the spirit, the divine being. He knew God and no one else could interpret this, but just watch and see the symbolism in the dream. In Daniel 4.10, it says, these were the visions. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking of my head while on my bed. I was looking, behold, a tree in the midst of the earth. And when he finishes, Daniel says, the tree is you. The tree is Babylon, and because you are the king of Babylon, it's also you. The tree represents the king, and the tree represents that king's kingdom. So here's what Babylon represents. It represents a mixture of church and the world. You see, God's people went into bondage to Babylon. They were just, uh, they were unfaithful to God. They wouldn't repent. He called and called to them. They wouldn't turn back. So they were sent into exile. 
For 70 years, they lived in exile. And the thing is, uh, God's people wound up being among other people from other faiths, and they were there, and they wound up there for a period of time, and when, after the 70 years, they were allowed to come back. Did you really think about this? Only 10% of the people returned from Babylon. The rest of them had gotten so accustomed and used to living in Babylon that they didn't bother coming back. They didn't want to go back to Jerusalem and do all that stuff. They were happy where they were. And so 90% of them were commingled with those who weren't people that loved and cared about God. So when you read Babylon, it represents a mixture of the church and the world, of God's people and the world. So this tree is the worldly church, a mixture of the church and the world. Look at verse 11 uh, there in Daniel. uh, Anyway, it says, The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were very lovely, its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. We keep seeing this word food. Now watch this. The beasts of the field found shade under it. Remember we talked about those last week. And the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches. And all flesh was fed from it. Now, just want you to notice, it doesn't say that spirit was was fed from it. It says flesh. Flesh equals worldliness, sinfulness, self-centeredness, as opposed to God-centeredness. It says, I saw in the visions, the visions of my head while on my bed, there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump. Leave the stump. Today we can see things so much more clearly because, look, our our Methodist denomination is going through an upheaval. It's going through a purification or a separation of Babylon from the true church. There are those who want to embrace sinfulness. There are those who want to uh, promote ungodliness and, and claim that it's blessed by the church even. And the thing is, that's not the way it works. And so we see this separation of oil from water. But uh, the, the thing is, is that uh, the stump is the remnant, the pure part of God's people. And so they're going to go into bondage. And the prophet standing there as they're leaving, prophesying, saying for every thousand that leave, only a hundred of you are going to be coming back. He's already prophesying that there's going to be a remnant 
that does come back, only a remnant. And this is a tree. And it talks about a tree. Isaiah prophesying about this captivity before it even happens, talks about this bondage that they're going into. But remember the famous story of Isaiah? We even sang about it today. We read about it. Everybody knows it. He's, he goes into the temple and the Lord appears to him. And then we have these words. The Lord says, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Again, us represents the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isaiah says these famous words. Lord, and we just sang them earlier. Here am I. Send me. Lord, send me. Then it says, I'm going to send you to a people who have ears, but they cannot hear. And they have eyes, but they cannot see. And this is what I'm going to preach on next week is a spiritual sight. Because sometimes we can look at things and not see them at all. And he said, and their hearts are dull and they're not going to repent. Now, uh, the thing is, do you know what Isaiah said then? These are words of faith. How long? How long, Lord? Lots of times we'll be seeing things that we know the Lord's going to do things that we're not happy with him doing, but we know he has a purpose, but we're wondering how long are we going to have to go through this? And just like uh, the, children, the, the, the saints in heaven, we see in Revelation, them looking down and seeing how things are going here. And they ask the Lord, how long? That's their question. The prophets many times would ask, how long? So he says that uh, uh, until, uh, here's, the, here's God's answer. Until I chop down the tree, but I'm going to leave a stump. Now watch this. Remember, we're talking about symbols. And I love this in Isaiah 6.13 whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be its stump. In other words, the true believers, the remnant, uh, they'll be left when I bring judgment on this worldly church. Ezekiel 31.6 says, All the birds of the heavens made their nests in its boughs. And that's branches. Under its branches, all the beasts of the field brought forth their young. And in its shadow, all great nations made their home. All nations. Now this tree, if you'll recall, is Babylon. This tree is the worldly church. And it's saying that the beasts of the field and the birds of the air find great comfort in this tree. And we're seeing that today, aren't we? All nations, we're talking about a worldly church. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, notice uh, the, when it, we're talking about the birds and beasts, it says, um, the, notice where the birds nest. They nest in the boughs, in the branches. Many one uh, 
Well, anyway, if you wonder what the branches are, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're what? You're the branches. I'm the vine, you are the branches. And so the birds of the air made their nests in the branches right there with God's people. They were finding great comfort there. Let me tell you, yes, uh, demons would love to build a nest in your house. They'd love to. They'd love to nest in the branches, and they will if you let them. And that's what's been happening in the mainline churches today. That's why we've gotten in the spot where we are today. So we're talking about Babylon. And uh, just a couple more scriptures here in Revelation 18, 1 through 2. It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great, this worldly church is fallen. Now, watch the context and watch for another symbol here. And it has become the dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So you see, we're not talking about literal birds. We're talking about demonic forces. But how else would you explain this scripture when it says it's become a place for demons, foul spirits, and birds? And Jesus said, the birds of the air come, and as we saw last week, they try to devour the word of God. And they have done their best to get the word of God out of the church. So uh, and they say, uh, well, anyway, he said, well, that's Satan, Satan at work, and uh, it's all his demonic spirits. So 50 years ago, no one could imagine that the church in the United States would be able to drift so far from the truth of God's word and become so spiritually blind. But we have. And uh, there was a time when the preaching of the gospel was the most important work that the church could be about. And she knew it. We would have revivals. We would invite people to church. We would go out and share the gospel with people. And now then, we just try to be nice. It's changed because we have forgotten the Great Commission. Uh, I can remember... We were invited. There was another church of another denomination in Texarkana that had started a place to feed the hungry and provide housing for the the hungry. And uh, they were asking us to join with them. And uh, now that they had it all built and set up, they're wanting us to do the work. It's basically what they were trying to get us to do. But uh, I asked them, I said, now then, this is good. But when, when do you have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus? Because he's the one that can pull them out of this pit. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to do anything that's going to uh, 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 impose our faith on them. Uh, we're just wanting to, 
to help them like Jesus said. Well, yeah, Jesus said, take care of the poor. He said to feed them. He said to do all those things. He also said, go into all the world and to make disciples. And so it's not either or. You do both. And yet somewhere along the way, it has gotten so separated that the gospel is just set aside. And we go along doing good things, but we don't talk about the one that we're serving while we're doing them. And so uh, this is where we've gotten today. And it was a very gradual, subtle thing. Everybody wants to be nice. And so uh, uh, some people would say, oh, okay, so we won't do that. Um, but the thing is, is that we have gotten to the place to where we're even supplying the wrong things to people. And so we've come to this place and all of a sudden we can see Babylon is the worldly church, but there's always a remnant. God's people are there. And the message this morning is to you who love the Lord, and it is first of all a warning. Beware of false prophets. Beware of those birds of the air who want to come and remove God's word from your beliefs. Beware of those who try to say, it's not important to believe in Jesus. Yeah, it says, John said, he said, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Beware. There are false prophets and measure everything that you receive by his word, by God's word. Measure it all and don't let them explain it away because they can't. His word is true and it hasn't changed since the Old Testament was Jesus's Bible. And it's the first and we're seeing the New Testament and the prophecies come more and more alive every day. And we should take heart because that means all those promises to God's people are still true. He wants you to prosper as your soul prospers. Uh, he wants to uh, uh, bless you. He wants to do those things. But it's going to be hard for him to do those things if you're listening to the wrong people, if you're listening to the wrong voice. And so listen for his still small voice and listen for his word in everything that you are, uh, are hearing. And don't be led astray. That's the word for today. Remember, this is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being for spiritual beings. And there are things here that you have yet to learn. And there are, we all have a way to go. This is an exciting time to be the Lord's because we're seeing the Bible come alive today like it never has before. And if those things, like I say, if those things are coming alive, uh, whenever he talks about giving us authority, uh, that's, that comes alive too. We do have authority in his name and he's going to be with us 
as we continue to follow him. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Oh Lord, as we bow before you at this time, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. We thank you that you have uh, made it clear to us and you've opened our eyes so that we can see. You've opened our ears so that we can hear the truth. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would give us uh, uh, spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear in the week ahead. And help us, O oh God, to see those things that you have before us to do. Those opportunities that we have to be faithful to you, to be a witness to you uh, in all that we do. In all these things we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And now as you go forth into this week, may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of you now and forever. Amen.